Chapter Six of Dave Dashaway and His Giant Airship by Roy Rockwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Chapter Six A Mysterious Flash. Well, what did he want? challenged Grimshaw gruffly as the young aviator entered the living tent. It was young Brackett, said Dave. He came to settle the damage up at the greenhouses. With real money? Oh, yes. You surprise me, observed the old man dryly. Don't be too hard on him, Mr. Grimshaw, said Dave. There is some good in him. Huh. It's all under the surface, then. You are too soft-hearted, Dashaway. It's of a piece with that Jerry Dawson affair after he and his crowd had done you all kinds of harm, stolen the drifter, and tried to put you out of business, you let him go scot-free, hoping Jerry had learned his lesson and would behave himself. Which he won't, affirmed the old man strenuously. I'll wager he'll pop up in some mean way before you get through with this giant airship scheme. "'There's Hiram,' announced Dave brightly, as the gate slammed and a cheery whistle echoed through the enclosure. Dave's loyal young assistant came into the tent, flushed and animated, from a run in the rain. "'Any mail?' inquired Dave. "'Yes, a letter and a telegram,' replied Hiram, handing two envelopes to Dave. The young aviator opened the telegram first. He looked at its enclosure so long and steadily that his two friends began to regard him with deep curiosity. "'Well, that's queer,' said Dave at length. "'What is?' challenged Hiram. "'This message.' "'Who's it from?' "'The interstate people.' "'What does it say?' asked Hiram. "'I'll read it.' "'Good advertising. Keep it up.' Hmm, observed Grimshaw. That's sort of puzzling. Now, what does it mean? Dave shook his head vaguely. I really don't know, he admitted. Hiram began to grin. Then he laughed outright. Do you? demanded Dave, glancing suspiciously at his friend. Hiram slapped his knee emphatically, chuckling the while. He began feeling the outside pockets of his coat. "'I didn't know at first, he spoke, but I think I can guess it out now.' Hiram drew out a folded newspaper, opened it up, glanced over it, and refolded it so as to show a half-column article with a display head. "'City evening paper that just came down with the mail,' he explained. Look at that, Dave Dashaway, and say you aren't famous. Our hero was a good deal surprised to find in the newspaper a glowing article about the unselfish heroism of a rising young aviator who had encountered vivid danger in doing a noble service for a poor girl. Dave saw at once that the enterprising newspaper man at Easton had made a fine story of the sensational episode. The gossamer was lauded for its handsome conduct in a storm, and the Interstate Aero Company was commended for building such a staunch aircraft. Dave was given full justice, and the interesting little story 
was told in a very pathetic way. "'You understand now, I reckon, Dave?' chuckled Hiram. "'Why, in a way, yes.' "'I suppose the story has been telegraphed all over the country,' said Hiram. "'It's a good one. "'The interstate people saw it and wired you at once.' "'Old Grimshaw read the newspaper article eagerly in his turn. "'He gloated over the handsome things said about Dave. "'I'm proud of you, as usual, Dashaway,' he observed. "'Dave opened the letter Hiram had brought him. He read it through with a face indicating considerable satisfaction. "'Here's a pleasant bit of news,' he announced to his two friends. "'From Mr. King, isn't it?' inquired Hiram. "'I noticed the handwriting in the postmark.' "'Yes,' replied Dave. "'Anything interesting about the giant airship?' "'A whole lot,' answered Dave briskly. It seems that Mr. Dale has been fortunate enough to find a French aeroman who spent several years in foreign dirigible service. Mr. King writes that he is something of an inventor and a practical man in airship construction. That's famous, Dashaway, voted Grimshaw with enthusiasm. They are going to push the big craft towards completion just as fast as they can, reported Dave. Mr. King writes that they need me and that he is financing the project on my account. He wants me to get the interstate people to release us and all of us get to Croydon as soon as we can. Then the trip across the Atlantic is a sure thing, cried the excited Hiram. Mr. King thinks so. Hurrah! shouted the delighted lad. "'I hope they count me in,' spoke Grimshaw, a flicker of the old professional fire and ardor in his eyes. "'Since I got knocked out of service by my bad fall from a biplane, I've been pretty well shelved. I'd like to figure in the biggest aero exploit ever attempted, though.' "'You are going to if the rest of us do,' said Dave. "'Mr. King settled that in my last talk with him.' "'He did?' "'Yes.' He says you understand a dirigible better than he does a monoplane. I'm pretty well posted on balloons, yes, asserted the veteran aeronaut with a look of considerable pride. There was little else talked of by the friends but the giant airship the rest of that evening. Dave later devoted an hour to writing a long letter to the interstate people. He told them that Mr. King needed him and hoped they could find it convenient to release him without delay from his contract. Like the real business boy and faithful employee that he was, however, Dave went through regular routine duty the next day. The agent of the company brought down his clients that afternoon, and Dave showed off the gossamer at her best paces. The ensuing day, and the one next following, he made the regular ascents for the resort people. The expected reply to Dave's letter finally arrived. The interstate people wrote that they were sorry to lose so valued an employee and added a pleasant word concerning Grimshaw and Hiram. They hoped that the giant airship exploit would be a great success and announced that at any time a good position for Dave was open with them. A liberal check was enclosed in the letter, and the statement made that a man to take charge of the gossamer would leave the works for Lake Linden the next day. 
Dave looked around for young Brackett whenever he strolled about the lake resort and the village. He did not, however, come across either the youth or the man Vernon. He made some inquiries and was troubled to learn that the pair had gotten into a fight at the town hotel, had smashed up some furniture, and had left the place with a pretty bad record. Dave gave a day to his successor, teaching him the ropes. Monday afternoon he had everything packed up ready to take the train for Croydon, where the giant airship was under construction. Hiram, who had been earning very good wages of late, had ordered a new suit of clothes in the village. It would not be done until the next morning. Hey, you go ahead, Dashaway, advised Grimshaw. There's nothing to keep you here, and Mr. King seems to need you. Hiram and I will come on tomorrow. This arrangement was agreed on. Dave took the train and reached Croydon about dusk. He found it to be a busy little manufacturing city near the coast. From what Mr. King had written him, and through some inquiries, Dave was soon on his way to the so-called aerodrome where the giant airship was being built. An old roofless molding shop had been utilized for the construction. It looked lonely and deserted as Dave came up to it. The windows were boarded up, apparently to keep out prying eyes. The big front doors were closely padlocked, and a temporary canvas roof was in place. The street lamps of the city ran out to the factory, and nearby were some houses. Dave felt sure that Mr. King and the others had taken living quarters in the vicinity. He had no doubt that a little inquiry would result in locating them. Dave walked around the old plant thinking a good deal of the proud hopes that attached to the big airship inside. The upper pair of windows of the place were not boarded up. Dave's eyes chanced to be scanning these as he was about to cross the street to where the houses were. "'Hello!' he cried out sharply, in a startled way. A sudden flash, bright and dazzling, shot across the whole row of windows from the interior of the building. It resembled the illumination made by a sudden powder blast, but there was no report. "'Why, what can that be?' exclaimed the bewildered young aviator. Dave bent his ear and listened. No sound broke the stillness. He could not figure out the circumstances for the moment. He was puzzled and yet reluctant to leave the spot without learning what the mysterious flash portended. "'Someone!' spoke Dave suddenly. Then he broke into a run. Mystery had become suspicion. Against the light of a corner lamp, he saw, away down the length of the building, the outlines of a ladder. Its top rested on the sill of one of the upper windows. The window was open. Through the aperture, a form had quickly scrambled. Dave felt sure that some underhand work was in progress. Hey there, who are you? "'What are you up to?' he shouted. As he challenged, Dave ran towards the ladder. The person descending it hurried his progress, leaped from it, cast a hurried look at the approaching youth, and darted across the street. Our hero noticed that he held in one hand a small black case, about ten inches square. 
as the fugitive turned the street corner he looked again to see how closely he was being pursued the lamplight fell full upon his face the mischief fairly shouted the amazed young aviator it's jerry dawson End of chapter 6